And we've done that again today. In fact, we're going to worship in a unique way today. And there are appropriate reminders uh, that the church needs to understand about this thing that we're going to do today. We're going to do a church thing. Sermons, singing, yeah, those are church things. But there are specific church things, this thing called baptism, that is specifically church-related. So if you have your Bible, I'd invite you to turn with me in the New Testament to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. As you make your way there, this is a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, and it was circular, what's called a circular letter, meaning it did not just arrive at this one church and was read by one group of people. It was circulated to the other churches, and it had a central theme. Uh, and the theme was not about conflict, but more about this unbelievable person of Jesus Christ and the life transformation that happens for you if you have trusted in him. Really, spiritually, what has occurred? So, if you have your copy of Scripture, Colossians chapter 2, we're not going to read the whole passage, the whole chapter, but we're going to pick up in verse... um, Verse 6, look, Paul says this, Therefore, now he's looking back at chapter 1 and the early part of chapter 2, and he says, he says this, As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. In other words, this, look here just for a second. You can make a decision about Jesus Christ and think, oh, Deed done. I've trusted him. I believe in him. Now I'm going to heaven. I got my ticket punched. I'm going. But that's not anything that's biblical, truly. From a biblical standpoint, you are to trust Christ, and then life begins to change. Life begins a transformation in you. And you should walk in Christ. You walk reflecting that you have trusted him. And he goes on to say in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit and according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you've been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him, there it is, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you... We're dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses. By canceling out the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed all rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, meaning in Jesus Christ 
God triumph over everything that seeks to defeat you ultimately and spiritually. It was taken care of in Jesus Christ. If, if you've trusted in him. Now, I made my first trip to New York City a couple years ago. And uh, frankly, it, uh, the place is louder than I anticipated it being. It is a great place to visit, not a place I'd want to live. But if you ever go there, you need to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. If for nothing else, to see the painting, Washington Crossing the Delaware. I was dumbfounded by what I saw. First of all, I thought I'd seen it before. I thought it was this... I was going to get to see original artwork that kind of I could hold on, put it on the wall like this. But not at all is it that. In fact, the size, the sheer size of the painting is more than 21 feet wide and 12 feet tall. And it causes pause because it has detail and imagery in it, little things, shadows that evoke emotion when you look at it. Baptism, this church thing that we're going to observe today, is not just a snapshot. It is a portrait. It is a picture. It is much more than often we sometimes care to, we we take time to recall. It is an example. It is showing us what has happened to us who have trusted in Christ in it, we are, we die with Christ, we buried with Christ, and we're raised to walk a new life. So as the people of God and our guests, as you sit in this room today, I want you to know you are going to watch another example of the masterpiece that God does, and it's of a different sort. Because this is a church word, baptism. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't over the past couple of weeks talked about baptism At the kitchen table. It's something that we talk about here at church. It's a word that's rarely used outside of church. And depending on your background, even the word will evoke different images in your mind. Maybe you grew up in a church where a child, even as an infant, was held over a basin and a little water was placed on their head. And families gathered and they celebrated as the parents reflected their faith in committing that child. Maybe some of you grew up where it was a different image of that. Maybe you knew a time, as I have, where people gathered near rivers or in the backyards of someone who had a pool and baptisms were observed there. All of us have different backgrounds. All of us seen it demonstrated in a different way. But I want to ask you in the time that we have left, why do we do this? Is there magic in that water? Is something happening as we get wet that we need to understand? Why the water? Why the practice? Well, we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to talk about it. But you may say, well, wait, Brian, you know, I, I was baptized and maybe you were young. And maybe your parents did it for you when you were an infant. Why do you need to understand what this is about if you've already had it done? Well, I want you to see 
just three things briefly. We're not going to spend a lot of time. But turn in your Bible back to the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first gospel in the New Testament. And as that book closes in Matthew chapter 28, we, f- we see what Jesus has to say about baptism. And what this believer's baptism is about. Right near the end of the book, chapter 28, verse 18 and following, Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to me. And then here he gives instructions. So here's the instructions to his most devoted followers. Now what? What should you do? What should you be about? This is what he says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing. See it? Go make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always To the end of the age. Christ commanded us. Christ commanded his followers. He commissioned us to baptize. Literally, if you read the Greek, when he says, go therefore and make, it says, as you go, as you're going, as you're moving and making disciples, be baptizing. Make disciples, baptize them. Why? Because because it comes with a promise. I'll be with you. And he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The wholeness of God. The wholeness of his beauty. Father, Son, Spirit. Baptize them. Why? We ask why a lot. We also go, ah, a lot. Maybe this week has been an awe moment for you. I sat with some pastors this week. We have lots of awe moments like, ah. I have them around my house. I have them when I'm balancing my checking account. I, I have those awe moments. It looks like this. Our f- lives are full of it. The awe comes like this. Am I doing the right thing? It goes like this. Ah, am I doing the right thing? If you've ever had a child and they're not doing what you want them to do and you want to rip their arms off and beat them over the head with it, you, you know what that means. Ah, am I doing the right thing? Just kidding. All right. Not literally, figuratively. We have those moments where we go, am I pursuing the right career? Am I in the right relationships? Do I have the right investments? Am I saving enough? Do I pray enough? Do I give enough? Do I read enough? Do I do this enough? Do I exercise enough? Few of us are going, am I eating enough? I'm few of us. All right. And as a church, if we're honest, there ought to be times where we're going, are we teaching the right things? Are we pursuing love well? Are we making the right sacrifices? Are we doing enough? What is right? And are we doing right? And all of these questions, personally and corporately, businesses ask questions daily. 
But one thing is for sure. One principle is absolutely for sure on the authority of God's word. When we make disciples and when we baptize, we can know we are obeying, we are following, we are doing the right thing. No question about it. Baptism is this picture. It's this portrait. And number two, it is the outward visible picture that symbolizes an inner spiritual reality. Let me say that again. Baptism is an outward visible picture that symbolizes an inner spiritual reality. And that's the whole emphasis of Colossians chapter 2. Once you pick up it in verse 11 and following, basically Paul is saying this. In the midst of those run-on sentences, in the midst of those deep theological waters, he's saying this. Change occurs in the life of the believer that trusts Christ fully. Old things are put away and new things are, are, are present. And when, you've, when you see a baptism, when we witness a baptism, you are seeing something visible that reflects something that's already occurred on a spiritual level. The teaching of this text and a parallel text in Romans 6 is that Paul was saying it's the clearest indication that when you trust Jesus Christ, the moment that you trust Christ, what God does is this. He takes you spiritually and he immerses you into Jesus Christ. And the book of Ephesians says he seals you with the Holy Spirit who's placed in you as a pledge that your life died with Jesus. Even though you're very much alive right now when you trust Christ, you died with Christ. Your sin was buried with Christ and you are made new. A new creation is, happens. This is why we say it is a new birth reflective of John chapter 3. It's a new start. And I don't know about you, but man, I love do-overs. I love them. As a kid, we've lost sight. Kids right in the middle of you saying and, and play when they conflict or something doesn't go right. This is do-over. Let's just do it. Let's just start again. When you trust Jesus, it is the most magnificent do-over there is. And we lose touch with that. We lose touch of what the transformation really is. Of how God in Christ Jesus, by his spirit, places you in Jesus. And it is the strongest argument for me, for me, that there is no in and out of the kingdom. God took me, places me into Jesus Christ, seals me with the Holy Spirit of promise that is a pledge that I belong to him. I'm not in and out, in and out, in and out. I'm in. I'm in. There's a spiritual baptism by which the water reflects. Water in ancient times was a place of life. Reflected life. It reflected washing. It reflected cleansing. It reflected as well that it was immersion. It's what the word means. Baptismal means immersion. It's an outward visible picture of an inner spiritual reality. 
The old life is gone, the new life has come. And though you're alive when you trust Christ, Christ in a very real way, we should be reminded as we watch a baptism, it's a picture that as sin died and buried with Jesus, in the same moment you're identified with him in resurrection. It's coming. As he died, your sin died with him. You are born again. Number three, being baptized is a picture of the believer's identity. But it's also a foreshadowing of your ultimate destiny. You know what I mean by that? It means this. It's a reminder that though death is real physically to all of us, the promise of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that you are not going to remain dead. There is new life. And this word, this, this word baptismo or baptism as it was transliterated means to immerse and to dip. It's why we as, reform, as a reform group of biblical believers, we believe that the most literal use of that word is that you get in the pool and you go under. Just like when you die, what happens? Your body dies. There's a never a time more helpless in that moment before death. That thing that I've witnessed, it's a sobering reminder. It's no breaking news. You've seen it. It's... it's uh, it's reality. You pass by cemeteries. It should be a billboard that life is not completely about the here and now. The mortality rate for humans, still right at 100%. You and I, we're going to die. And for some of us, it will come suddenly. For others... It will be a release from old age when your body longs to be released. But for the living, today, I hope, is a reminder. Because in a baptism, we are going to be reminded that we die and we are buried. But it won't end there. For the believer, there's a different focus. And that is the the promise that's found right there in the middle of verse 11. No, verse 12. Verse 12 of Colossians 2, he says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith. The reason why we practice believers' baptism, only for believers, for those who have trusted Christ, for those who understand the gospel, why we say it is believers that should be baptized, it's because of verses like this, is reflective that faith in the power of God is what makes life brand new. It's hope in the death and resurrection of Jesus and nothing else. It's Jesus, the person and the work of Jesus, and it's nothing else. That's where faith resides. And that's what he says there in verse 12. Have buried, been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Baptism is a portrait 
a glorious portrait that life is new and death is not a wall. Death is a door to the presence of Jesus. He alone has the power over sin and death. He alone holds the keys. And it's in him that we've placed our trust. You may be sitting here today and you may wonder, well, what about you? Maybe you came to Grace Fellowship and over the years you've sat here and you suddenly realized, oh, wait, I really have not really understood the gospel. And that happens a lot. And that's a good thing. The, the, the eyes, your eyes are open and you've trusted Christ. And you may have been raised in some kind of religious background your whole life. Maybe not. And you come here to this morning and you go, well, well Brian, when I was, my, you know, my parents had me baptized. And God bless those parents. That they, they saw some value. God, I'm not taking anything away from that, that act. But it's not believer's baptism. And, the, and, and I would challenge you to think carefully, what does the scripture really teach about this ordinance, about this thing that we are to do? Baptism is for believers. And as a reformed body of believers, we observe two ordinances. And you may say, well, what is an ordinance? An ordinance means this. Christ ordained it. Ordained it. He ordained baptism. He commissioned that. And what else? The Lord's Supper. And no amount of bread and juice takes away your sin. And no amount of water will wash a heart clean. Jesus took care of that at the cross. And that is where our faith resides. In nothing else. Baptism is a picture. And most of us would say amen to that. But one of the temptations, and I want to talk to you very, very briefly about this. I want, I want to ask you a question. If, you are, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you've not been baptized after trusting Christ as your Savior, then you've not observed believer's baptism. You may have been wet. But you've not been baptized. And one of the temptations that we face as believers is this. When you, when you look at baptism as symbolism, and it is, it doesn't take us very long to treat it as mere symbolism. And I want you to know the scriptures never treat it like that. Never. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 come to Christ. How many get baptized? 3,000. In Acts chapter 8, when those that come to faith in Christ, shortly after, guess what's happening? They're in the waters of baptism. The Ethiopian eunuch looks, sees water after trusting Christ. He says, there's water, what prevents me? Nothing prevented him. He went into the waters and he was baptized. Cornelius 
and his household, trusting Christ, was baptized. Now, I don't, I'm not undermining anyone's experience. What I want to say is this. This is what you need to understand. We have rich, deep, orthodox teaching in, this script, in the scriptures, in this church. But at the foundation, you need to understand this. When you trust Christ from a biblical perspective, baptism follows. It is the first step of obedience. And if you're interested in obeying Christ and you've not been baptized, I would encourage you to take seriously the charge that before God, you say, Lord, do I need to do this? Yes. No amount of water is going to wash away your sins. Christ has already taken care of that. There's no question. This is a matter of this. I want to do the right thing. I baptized a 40-year-old woman who had more godliness in her big toe than I had in my whole body. And she came to me and said, I've never been baptized. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she says, as I've studied your scripture, every time somebody trusts Christ, they're baptized. And this is what she said. I'll never forget the word. She says, I need to make this right. Because it's obedience to his divine command. That's what it is. And we're here as God's people to remember that people have trusted Christ. People get saved here. Lives are changed here, right here. It happens. And people want to obey and follow Christ. So make that your prayer and I ask you to carefully consider where you are. In the days ahead, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the testimony of baptism, for the commission that we are to be about baptizing. Not to get wet, but to identify that we are a follower of Jesus. Lord, today, we celebrate the new life that you've given, the ones that we're going to hear from. We celebrate that you and you alone can make life new, that you and you alone cleanse from sin, you and you alone, you, you, take us with you into the grave and bring us out of the grave. We're grateful for that, for that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.